Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our second hour. Joining us this hour, Darsh Meshri, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay, this is by a young guy named Billy Strings. Kind of, He's kind of been a thing for about the last six or five or six years. And now he's, you know, gotten to be really pretty big deal. And, uh... He's only about 30, and uh, he's self-taught, I understand, in terms of his guitar picking. He's he kind of got a certain style. He's real fast, and I'm not sure he has what I would call real phrasing. This is an awesome lick right there. Yeah, so got a vo- he sounds a little like Travis Tritt or something, his voice. Um, but uh, a lot of young guys are impressed because he's kind of like a he, he's like a Sturgill Simpson or a Tyler Childers that plays bluegrass. Sort of, he's kind of of that ilk a little bit in. I know there's better guitar pickers. There might not be faster ones right now, but there's guys historically that that were better. And because I'm not sure he's all that musical. I've listened to him for a while. I remember the first time I heard him, I was like, "Hey, he's a good guitar player." And you know, when he was singing, I was expecting, uh, you know, late 40s, early 50s, just the the kind of that scratch the tone of his voice. And that's yeah. I mean, he's a kid. And I was yeah. like, he wow. sounds older. Yeah, I mean, his, his voice he sounds like Travis Tritt a little bit. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. And uh, I think you know, he's obviously a sensation. Uh, how he will endure, yeah, will be kind of another. Well, he's you know kind of a Chris Staple. You know, Chris Stapleton was kind of like one of those underground throwback kind of artists. Yeah. His voice 
we'll see how how this guy does. Yeah, I know it's it's interesting. All right, so we're in a bear market in stocks. Ten things you should know about bear markets. Uh, sometimes financial markets need to reset from record-setting performance. <laughs> we're, would that it were so easy to endure. Like they just make it sound like, oh, we're just taking a rest here, you know, kind of go down a little bit. <laughs> See how you just rest. <laughs> oh, it's not a big deal. Just sort of go to sleep for a while. Um, and they have various signposts on here, all of which <laughs> don't really help. <laughs> but, um, you know, the. It's kind of an interesting, I mean, it's all true, but people tend to not be as logical about it as perhaps this article would sort of think you ought to be. Yeah. That's the hope of this is to get a little logic, you know, mixed in with the emotion right now. I mean, goodness, I mean, you look at right last week, you had two days it rallied 1,500 points, then it, you know, gave it all back. Uh, Thursday, it rallied a couple percent. Uh, Friday kind of gave most of that back. It's just this, you know, the push and pull, push and pull. Um, the, the emotions are running high, uh, and it's good to kind of pause and, you know, take, kind of take inventory of where things are, get some perspective, um, and I'll just go through a couple of these. And, you know, the market never repeats itself exactly. This is what it's done historically. It's looking at averages, um, and which means sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less when you're looking at an average. But um, on average, uh, stocks have lost 36% in bear markets. Um, and I like this uh, counterpoint. Uh, stocks gain on average 114% during a bull market. Uh, bear markets are normal. There have been 26 bear markets of the S&P 500 since 1928. There's also been 27 bull markets, and they've the markets have risen um, during that time. Uh, bear markets tend to be short-lived. Average length of a bear market is about 9.6 months. Uh, the average length of a bull market is about 2.7 years. Um this is a key. We, we've, we've done shows on this in the past, you know, not trying to time the market, jump in, jump out. Half of the S&P 500's strongest days in the last 20 years occurred during a bear market. Uh, another 34% of the market's best days took place in the first two months of a bull market before it was even clear that we were in a bull market. Um, big down days cluster closely with big up days in the market. Um, so be careful of not trying to time the market, get out, get back in. Um, inevitably you're going to get the timing wrong. You're going to hurt yourself. Um, this you know, is one, one way to look at it. Uh, if you sort of will try to phase out whether the market's up or down, and look at what you like and try to average into buying some of it. You're going to have opportunities. Even better if you if what you're buying is paying dividends and, you know, whether it's going up, down, or sideways that day, 
you're still going to be getting paid dividends. That's going to be even better. Yeah. And the uh, you're sort of getting paid while you wait. I've always liked bear markets because it gives you buying opportunities. They're very painful when you're in them, but you finally have to, you know, lay your cards on the table and, 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 you know, this is a thing that we've lived through and we've been through it before. Uh, gosh, you and I and me, our daughter, we've yeah. probably been through three of them now. Uh, significant ones. Oh, oh, one, oh, well, oh, one, oh, two. I was not here. Uh, oh, eight, oh, nine. Um, that was bad. And then this one. So really two. Well, you had COVID, COVID, COVID. 2020, which was bad. And you've had sp- uh, periods in between too. You had the Greece crisis. You had, you know, right. the, the oil uh, issues in 2014. Yeah. You know, there, there's always something going on. Um, where somebody's getting their head handed to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing to focus on as an investor zoom out and look at big picture um you know look at long-term performance that's that's a piece of it um but then also look at your big picture your financial situation you know what do you have coming in if you're still working you have your salary if you're retired you may have pension social security um maybe rental income whatever it may be right look at what you have coming in and what you have going out i've had several conversations here recently you know just kind of a pulse check you know what's going on with with a, a someone's portfolio we're going through that then start digging in okay you have this much coming in a monthly basis you're spending out you're spending that less 25 percent so your monthly cash flows positive you have your emergency funds there you might have cds you might have this and that and when you actually take a look at the whole picture um you're not having to liquidate your investments right now um in in some situations Uh, you don't have to take distributions from it and so the picture is actually not bad and that leads to what you were just talking about tom looking at it as an opportunity you have to, to. to find good companies, good sectors, um, increase your dividends. Um, this is when you're able to buy good companies, good sectors at reasonable valuations. Right. Now, you have to be ready that more than likely you're not timing the bottom. And so you could have more short-term pain. It's very possible. Um, we don't know, but when you're looking at valuations on a relative and sometimes on an absolute basis, um, things are looking cheap and, you know, you hold on to good companies, you hold on to it through that, um, and focus on the long term. That's, that's the best thing you can do. Right. Now, the other thing though, you do need to do a, a gut check and, actually look at what you own (laughs) all of us um look at what you own right now um because just holding something doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing to do uh sometimes a change is warranted um who knows how quickly growth is going to grow uh in 2020 it grew quickly after it went down uh i don't this is just me. I don't feel that that's the case with this. If we are in a period of higher interest rates, 
uh, why would a market give uh, a premium to growth stocks right now um, versus things that are more value-oriented, dividend-paying things um, that might be where you have some more value right now. That kind of goes into the second article that you've got here Yeah, that you wanted to discuss. As bond investors' bets blow up, they might usher in an era of higher interest rates. Looks like that one came from the Wall Street Journal. This guy, Greg Ip, he tends to write some pretty good he does. articles. Yeah. Uh, I've only been in the business 16 years. I tell you the... The biggest thing. I bet it feels like 60 sometimes. <laughs> I tell you. It's, the, it's amazing that it's only been that long. I know. God. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just nuts. Flies. Yeah, it does. I tell you the the biggest thing <laughs> I've learned. No, I don't mean it. It flies. It feels like it's been 30 years. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, no, it hadn't flown. No. It, the biggest thing. The, the biggest thing I've learned um, is leverage and derivatives can be great until they're not right and when they're not it goes bad in a hurry um what this article's talking about is what happened in the united kingdom um with basically they had derivatives tied to interest rates uh this was last week i guess it was um and Basically, interest rates shot up, the derivatives lost value, the government had to step in to bail it out, um, but it was it was the function of derivatives. And you look back, uh, I, I, this, this, is, this is really interesting. Um, this is what uh, the Bank of England said uh, back a couple years ago, uh, or actually here recently. The speed and scale of the moves in gilt yields, which is the their government bonds, was unprecedented. Right. The refrain sounded very familiar. The stock market crash of 1987, you know, with the uh, the long term capital management, um, the housing mortgage crisis of 07, uh, 08, 09. There they were all based around that idea that. Housing isn't going to go down, and most recently, interest rates aren't going to go up. Uh, you know, long-term capital management, same same thing. And so you have these short-term moves that are unexpected. You know, one in a thousand, quote unquote, one in a thousand chance. Well, if you're holding the leverage or the derivative, that one in a thousand, that's all it takes. And it's it's just it's amazing how quickly people forget um, and and kind of go back to the trough doing the same thing. Uh, but in the U.S., it's been incredibly orderly this year. Uh, it's been, the markets have been down, but it's been very orderly. That's, to me, that's encouraging. Right. Because um, you, you haven't seen that contagion effect or these derivatives, you know, raise their head so far this year. Yeah, and uh, that that's a good point. And I think the reason for that is that uh, the underlying economy, underlying businesses, consumers are in pretty good shape, uh, yeah. and they have been in good shape going into this, you know, bear market or slowdown in the economy. Uh, and that's perhaps 
why there there hasn't been you know any uh, event like what we saw in the UK. Um, if you think about the financial crisis at that point, uh, consumers were extremely leveraged. Uh, businesses were not necessarily in bad shape, uh, but banks were extremely leveraged, uh, and that led to you know uh, the deep recession that we experienced and the deep bear market that we experienced this time around. Right. Um, you know, we had over a decade after the financial crisis where consumers and businesses uh, just they spent time uh, improving their balance sheets. Uh, Banks are extremely well capitalized, uh, so I think that's part of the reason where you know the uh, there is an underlying strength to uh, the economy and to businesses and consumers. Well, no, talking on the banks, um, I, I, I saw the headlines today. I didn't see the the specific numbers on some of the banks, um, but you look back in 2020, banks took a huge amount of reserves. Right. In 2020, um, I think they've right. moved some of those back. They've removed some of those reserves, right. but now I think they might be increasing the reserves a little bit. But, I mean, banks are well capitalized. They, they are, and that's extremely uh, crucial because they uh, are, you know, the lifeblood of the economy. You know, they extend credit, uh, which is very important. And uh, I think the lesson of the financial crisis is still relatively fresh in their minds. Uh, they know how bad things can get. Uh, I mean, even when you look at the housing market, you know, the quality of loans is much better than it was during the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. These loans, these home loans were backed up uh, by, you know, proper, uh, well, not only good collateral, but also uh, knowing that, you know, the, uh, the borrower, uh, was uh, in good financial uh, shape. So I, I think this time uh, things are obviously bad because inflation has gotten out of control, but they're not as dire as they were in 08, 09. Yeah, and I think the that, that's been evidenced by an orderly market. Um, and, you know, when you think back of what was going on in 08, 09, 2020, those were scary times because that was a fundamental problem. You know, if if Mar if no no companies operating, they're not making money like in twenty. I mean, they're not making anything. Uh, what's going to happen? Oh eight oh nine. Are the banks going to be around? Is are the is the financial institu are the financial institutions going to survive at all? You know, right. nobody knew those things. This it's a repricing. I mean, as we as we stand right now, right. it's a repricing based on interest rates. Pretty much, the thing that I've been saying, we just went to Houston, uh, and and one of the things I noticed is that we stayed in a hotel. And this is kind of interesting. It's in a part of town where this particular hotel, the normal price in recent years is between four and 500 bucks a night. We stayed for $148 a night. Wow. Okay. That's about what you pay for a Hampton Inn. And this is not a Hampton Inn. This is like very nice. I talked to the, um, the guy at the, uh, down at the, um, uh, valet stand. I said, H how's it going? He said, it's extremely slow right now. 
he attributed it to people not traveling as much on business and doing things by Zoom and stuff. But it just appeared, based on what he said, that even in a city like Houston, you were you were having something of uh, of a slowdown. And I think a big part of it has to do with interest rates and an attempt to crack inflation. I'm going to talk in a little bit in the second half about a couple of the investments that we follow that I think, uh, you know, are going to hold up and be somewhat interesting to look at regardless of uh, what happens in here. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, um, <clears throat> what's uh, what remains to be seen is that I, I was actually watching uh, an interview of uh, Jeremy Siegel, Professor Siegel, who, uh, you know, who is always bullish, and he's extremely angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> With the Fed, yes. Yeah. Um, and he makes a good point, actually, uh, that all this st- stimulus, which is supposedly what's causing this uh, inflation, uh, monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus, a lot of the stimulus happened in 2020, you know, during COVID and end of t- 2020, early 2021. And we only saw inflation tick up, you know, towards the end of 2021. So by the same logic, the Fed may be, you know acting too hastily and uh, tightening, you know, and going in the opposite direction. All right. That's the end of our first segment. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Meshru. Mike Johnson and our host, Tom Dupree. If you want another set of eyes on your portfolio, call us 859-233-0400. We will be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. During bear markets, investors lose hope. Selling of both bonds and stocks seems at times indiscriminate. Part of that is because short sellers dominate. These are people who actually profit from stocks and bonds going down, not up. At times like this, it makes sense to look at your portfolio and dig deeply into research. Is it possible that some things you'd considered buying are really on sale right now. At Dupree Financial Group, we do equity research in bear markets as well as bull. If you would like for us to examine your investment portfolios and make recommendations, call us for a no-obligation review at 859-233-0400. That's Dupree Financial Group at dupreefinancial.com.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the second hour. Joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. I just want to say a little bit about this song. This was from the really groundbreaking album in 1972 that the Nitty Gritty Dirt brand put out called Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Uh, it was, re- And they just did a 50th anniversary thing at the Ryman Auditorium on it uh, sometime this year. And uh, But they brought in people like Earl Scruggs, Lester Flatt. No, no, I don't think they brought in Earl Scruggs. I know they brought in Lester Flatt. They brought in Doc Watson. They brought in Vassar Clements on the fiddle. Uh, they brought in, I'm pretty sure, Norman Blake on the Dobro. And... Uh, you know, they brought in Roy Acuff. I mean, it was kind of this thing of these guys from California, long hair guys that wanted to make music uh, or an album about uh, what they called it mountain music. Roy Acuff called it. This was called country music at the time. They didn't call it bluegrass. Well, they were starting to call it bluegrass, but it, that really was a Bill Monroe term. So. Anyway, um, you know, it was um, it was a groundbreaking album. It's a two-album set. It's fantastic. Every, you know, at the end of it, they, they have that song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, with, like, the Carter family and everything. So it's, uh, it, it, was, it was a groundbreaking album. Okay, I just got back from Houston, Texas. I, I want to talk about a couple of things. The first thing I want to talk about is the oil business. And that would be the energy industry in general. One of the things that we've noticed uh, in our times of, you know, investing in oil stocks, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, um, one of the things we've noticed is it is definitely driven by supply and demand. And something that Adarsh uh, pinpointed many years ago was that um, commodity commodities and commodity-related um, stocks and investments as well as businesses tend to go in cycles and sometimes they're 12 year cycles. And, you know, what we saw was a a sort of a somewhat of a down cycle with some upward spikes in the oil and energy industry culminating in 2020 with uh, extremely low prices. Uh, We visited a company there called EOG that we, have some ownership of and that not only with their exposure to oil and gas and energy, but their extraordinary technology, they tend to be kind of in in an area all their own. And, you know, they believe that um, we are looking at, uh, you know, another longer term upcycle where, you know, the economics of producing energy, oil and gas is positive, that the spreads are going to be there. You're going to have excess profitability. You, you, the industry has been through a time of extreme consolidation and uh, rationalization, having to be a lot more disciplined about its use of capital in, in every way that they can do it. And, and that is – 
sort of culminated in bringing the break-even price and the um, ability to make money uh, down for a lot of the wells. In other words, they have a lower hurdle to overcome. Now, you would think, given the case right now, that, uh, well, oil prices should probably be lower also. Well, they're really not lower in a big way. They're they're lower than they spiked up to three to four months ago, five months ago. But uh, they're still staying somewhat elevated. And uh, EOG, for instance, with each well they drill, they incorporate these economies of scale, and they're continuing to bring their overall uh, cost down, whereas the realizations, i.e. the money they're able to sell it for, is staying somewhat elevated. So I really believe that that's going to be an area that's going, if you if you invest in the right kind of companies, not only the ones that seem to employ good technology, but also are um, able to use uh, vendors and partners that help them get these oil wells drilled, uh, to their advantage, that uh, it, it could be an interesting and, and compelling, you know, place to uh, to put your money. Because the other side of the thing is, is that, and this is somewhat in favor of the prices staying higher, labor and uh, actual rigs, it's been tough to come by because uh, that's why a lot of your oil service companies aren't doing extremely well right now they're not opening a lot of new wells the people that are in business and opening wells they're they're being able to enjoy pretty high uh realizations because it's this industry is sort of developed a bit of a moat around it a little bit more of a barrier to entry than maybe it had even five to ten years ago yeah i'd say that's true uh especially given that there's just not as much capital chasing the industry like it was, you know, uh, self-financing self instead of bank financing. these Yes. Days. Um, there, there was a lot of capital that went into this industry and, uh, that coincided with, you know, um, oil prices shooting up and then finally, you know, dropping significantly. Um, and uh, right now, as you said, you know, it comes down to demand and supply. There is, uh, you know, despite uh, economies around the world slowing down, uh, despite, um, you know, uh, demand seemingly slowing down, uh, prices are not dropping as much. There was a drop from where it was a few months ago, and that uptick happened as uh, because of the the war between Russia and Ukraine. But uh, despite the pullback, you know, it's not dropped to, you know, 40 bucks or 50 bucks, which is where it would have been, you know, a few years ago. Uh, so I, I think that itself says that uh, there is this underlying, uh, uh, you know, strength uh, to these, uh, in, in the space, uh, and that strength that benefits the oil and gas companies. Um, now, whether this is the beginning of a new cycle, you know, we don't know. Uh, they, these cycles do tend to last 
for a while. The last cycle lasted exactly 12 years. Uh, oil prices peaked in 2008 and then they bottomed in 2020. Uh, uh, what we do know is that supply uh, and demand is not perfectly in balance. There are multiple factors, uh, notwithstanding the, uh, the war between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, that uh, is a tailwind to these oil and gas companies. Right. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, uh, we, we have some companies that are called mortgage REITs. Bottom line is they are very exposed to interest rates. Uh, we've seen a significant uh, pop in interest rates. Uh, I would argue that although the headlines tend to say inflation is out of control and raging, I would say that it's remaining somewhat elevated. But there are different kinds of inflation, and, and, and we're nowhere near what one might call hyperinflation. Uh, I think we have uh, an inflationary overhang in some ways because of all the stimulus that has to work its way through the market. Um, the Fed is, is doing what they're doing to try to rein that in. They're looking at uh, data that's somewhat backwards uh, looking, although it does, you know, measure the prices. But the fixed income markets seem to feel that things are beginning to level out. And one of these companies that we own, we thought there might be a chance they would cut the dividend. They actually maintained it. I don't know if they are giving guidance for the possibility that they will increase it. But there are certain areas where even at these prices, which are lower prices right now, your earning potential over the next three to five years and in terms of not only dividends but potentially price appreciation could be almost astounding. And um, it requires bear markets where everybody, you know, begins to say, hey, this just isn't ever going to work again, to get things to the point where people sort of give up on it. And that's why what I was saying about accumulating things in a bear market, especially if they're things that pay dividends, you can sort of get paid while you wait kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> you look at uh, here recently, even um, utilities, the re REIT sector in general, even uh, has been getting, getting hit pretty hard uh, so early early on when the market started going down it was primarily growth and tech um, those valuations today they're still they're, they're cheaper than they were a year ago but valuations are still relatively high in general right uh, in that area um, but then you start looking at uh, you know price to book values of some financials or REITs or price to AFFO on some of the, the actual real estate uh, REITs that actually own physical real estate, it is looking more attractive. Um, right. And, and I would say that, the, you know, in some ways the cash market, the commercial real estate market still remains kind of elevated. It, it has not really adjusted to the financial reality of, 
you know, what things are going to look like in terms of what's going on with REITs that own commercial real estate. But I think you're going to see some, uh, probably some pretty good price adjustments in the area of commercial real estate that have not really maybe showed up yet. Right, right. And I think that's what the market's forward-looking pricing in. It, it's it's repricing the, the physical real estate like it would a bond right now. And you're seeing the valuations on the stocks go down because of that. Um, so it, it's it's markets like this, you know, we, we – we saw it in 08 and 09. Um, we saw it in 2020. Uh, we saw it um, in, during the, the Greece crisis. We've seen it time and time again. You do have to be careful. Um, you can't just blindly pick something. Um, I mean, some, some of these. You, you could. <laughs> well, I, I guess technically, yeah, you could. Sure. Um, uh, you know. But some of these growth stocks, some some of those that were you know the high flyers, they they will go to zero. Some of these will. Um, and uh, uh, you mind telling me which one? Like <laughs> well, to, actually, it's I'd it's, like to kind of short. It's them funny. Uh, 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 they just convicted uh, Nikola's uh, f- uh, founder, the car company, for fraud. Oh, really? Was yeah. that the one that was making the electric trucks? Yeah, and they were like rolling it down a hill. Showing on the video or something—I don't know—it was something funky like that. It's almost like that uh, Thera th- Theranos. Yeah, um, that was a hell of a deal, and, <laughs> you know. But they were rolling it down a hill. It, I don't—I don't know, literally, but basically, yeah, they—they they didn't have a working. How did, you, how did you know that? I mean, how, how would you know that? Is that kind of insider <laughs> kind of information type thing going on there? No. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Unfortunately, I, I know a little bit about it. Okay. All right. Well, good. You, you might not want to disclose Yeah, I know, right? right? No, but that, that's what I'm saying. You, you, you can't just blindly buy something. Uh, do your research. Yeah. Um, oh, know what you own. Um own good sectors. I, I will say this. I remember in like 99 or 00, back when, you know, the thing was just going nuts with .com. There was a stock. I can't remember what it was. It was like $200 a share. And, and this client of mine came in and said, this thing's going to 800 and he bought some, and, and I said, it can't. And, he, and he, he looked at me with real disdain. Like, you guys, meaning you guys in the investment business, just don't get it. You don't get what's going on. You know, it's like they went to zero. Yeah. Yeah. Can't even remember the name of the company. But there were certainly a lot of things, but – I mean, I, I think that certain fixed income things and things that throw off cash flow, although they've really been beat up, and today is sort of an ugly day, you know, the bank earnings were down, and I don't know quite why, but I think they're reserving ahead of a recession or what they think to be a recession. So taking reserves and knocking your earnings down is not the same as taking losses. You're putting money into reserves, taking it out of the earnings, thinking you're going to need it. Okay, if you don't need it, you're going to bring it back into earnings at a later date, and then your earnings are going to be out the roof. And I think what they're doing 
is it's they're making everything's down. We're in a bear market. They're just going ahead and saying, all right, let's let's reserve because nobody expects us to do well here anyway. We'll go ahead and take a reserve. It's like taking a hit, and then you know it's like a kitchen sink thing. Yeah, and then when if and when things improve and when they improve we'll bring it back into earnings we'll have a blowout quarter and the stock will go up 30 (laughs) percent you know and everybody will make a lot of money we'll all be happy so i think some of that's going on i mean i don't know how much of it but i have seen banks especially banks monkey around with earnings in terms of the way they do the reserving Mm -hmm. yeah And you could you could even argue that they are being overcautious at this point Absolutely. because the data, you know, when when they talk about their delinquency rates and uh, NPLs and things, um, it hadn't really showed up. Yes, yet. It, it's not showing up. And really, we know that unemployment is quite low. Uh, consumers are in decent shape, so there's a good chance that they are over reserving, and at some point they'll end up taking it out of reserves. And that, then it comes back into earnings, right. and so then they report it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just deferring your earnings is all you're doing. Right. Unless it is real losses. So. Well, as like in 2020, I mean, they took huge reserves in 2020 because they, they were, you know, at the time, rightfully so, expecting, you know, massive defaults uh, on things. And so, right. um, you know, they were very conservative then. Um, and I think now they're they're following that same trend. Right. right. And I think, you know, uh, I remember back in 2020, we read an article from Grants, and uh, the article talked about how the defaults will come a few years later. Um, and if interest rates do stay elevated, then, you know, businesses that don't have the best balance sheets could be in, in trouble down the road. Yeah. Right. But, but I think the, bank, the banking sector is similar to the, the oil and gas sector. Um, they, they've learned some hard lessons through the financial crisis, like the oil and gas sector did, you know, after 2014, uh, they've, you know, you know, every, every sector will have, you know, companies that go back and repeat bad decisions. But I think in general, you know, the oil and gas business, it's more conservative, um, more efficient. And I, I think the financials in general have gotten that way too. Right, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I uh, I've got a song I want you to play. I'm going to send it to you here in just a second. I don't know if I can work uh, yeah, that way. Hey, it while in. you're looking, I'm going to put a little disclaimer. Nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. While stocks and the stock market will be discussed on this program, please check with your financial advisor or professional before investing. And that doesn't mean your stock professional. I just sent you the song. See if you can start I see that. Couldn't be us. It's always a good time to have another set of eyes. Take a look at your portfolio. Call us 859-233-0400. I'm going to try to chew gum and walk at the same time since he just sent me a song at the last second. This refers to what Mike was saying about people making the same Mistakes over and over and turn it up. Oh, I thought it was going to be some hip-hop happening kind of song. Like a stock? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Hold on. Wait for the refrain. 
I gotta get out of here, Tom. You got 30 seconds. Not to see you again, but you move through my dreams like the wind. It's no good to pretend. Okay, well. It won't happen again, cause it'll happen again. Listen to Some fools never <laughs> you are listening to the Tom Dupree show with the Darsh Mastery, Mike Johnson, and Tom Dupree. I have completely uh, lost control, but we will be back next hour with Rock Daniels. Stay tuned. <laughs>